Hi, this is Gail with Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. And this episode is about a topic that I absolutely love, skydiving. Uh, maybe you have gone for a tandem skydive where you're attached to someone or or maybe you are a skydiver listening to this podcast. Hello, check out other episodes of experiences you should have if you're already a skydiver to learn about new experiences in the world, or just stick around to hear the famous Melanie Curtis, skydiver extraordinaire, talk later on in this episode. But the reason why skydiving is so important to me is because I was a skydiver. I I guess I'm still a skydiver. I'm just on a hiatus right now. But uh, skydiving was a big part of my life for almost six years. And I've got about 400 jumps. And I started when I was 20 years old. I was living in uh, Central Florida. And I was in class one day. And a girlfriend showed me a picture of of two people attached going skydiving, a tandem skydive. And in the middle of class, she said, Psst, Gail, do you want to go skydiving? And I looked at the flyer and I looked up at her and I said, yes, 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 I do. I, yes, I want to go skydiving. And I could feel the eyes of our professor landing on us as we are chatting in class. But it was a pretty big seminar. However, we ended up booking our time to go skydiving. And the first time we actually showed up to go skydiving, though the weather was terrible and we had to go back another time. And some people would have taken that as a sign of skydiving is not for me, but I, I still wanted to do it. And I will never forget showing up at... Uh, the Skydiving Center, a.k.a. Drop Zone, a.k.a. DZ, in in Central Florida and Lake Wales for my first tandem skydive. And I was so nervous and so afraid. And I went up to each skydiving instructor and I asked them how many jumps did they have. And one guy responded with like 13,000 jumps or something like that. And I said, uh, will you take me on, on my skydive? And he said, sure. And we got up in the plane and this was a, a twin otter plane and look it up or I'll post a picture in the show notes. And we went up to 13,500 feet. And I remember just watching the experienced skydivers jump out first. And then it came time for my jump and we shuffled together to the front. And normally on a tandem skydive, you just jump out facing, facing like the door. But uh, we decided we were going to do a backflip out. So we were just looking inside the plane, which actually felt safer to me. And then before I knew it, we had backflipped out of the plane and I could see earth, sky, earth, sky, earth, sky. And then we flattened out on our bellies and we were in free fall for about a minute. And a minute is a long time if you think about it. 
to be in free fall. But I will never forget that just moment of being free and feeling the wind on my face and and seeing the cameraman in the sky and realizing this is this is not so scary. This is actually really this is really fun. And before I knew it, the parachute opened above us, which I was super relieved about. And I remember looking down at the world and having a new perspective on life and having a new a new view of the world and seeing that people are working down below or in their offices or in their house or in their homes. And here we're just in a parachute flying above them. And we landed safely. But I was convinced to come back and do a second tandem. And I did. And it was fantastic. And at the end of my second tandem skydive, uh, we all decided to, to hang out around a bonfire. And as I was sitting around the bonfire that night with the bright starry skies above us and hearing the fire crackle and pop, I just sat back and I was silent. And I heard stories from many other skydivers around me and their they're telling their tale and their adventure stories and they're talking about their jumps from the day. And then one by one, many of the skydivers started to retreat into the night, not to their cars to go home, uh, but many of them retreated to their trailers and tents at the drop zone. And I realized that a lot of these skydivers live there. And this was a community of people. And I had been searching for a long time for my community and a family to join. And when I saw that and I saw this like adventure community that existed, that sat around the fire and told adventure stories after free falling out of planes all day, I knew I was in. And I continue to jump and we're going to have many more episodes on different skydiving experiences that you can have. But today I wanted to introduce to you the idea of going skydiving for the first time and possibly learning how to skydive. And I thought that Melanie Curtis would be a great person to bring on the show. She is a world-renowned famous skydiver and I mean everybody knows her and her enthusiasm for life and her bubbly personality it it just makes you smile and she's one of the most upbeat um, people that I know she's also a life coach and and she helps uh, newer jumpers and coaches and she is just an all-around amazing person. And she and another skydiver, Jay Molesky, actually just started a new podcast called Trust the Journey and uh, really focuses on, on personal growth, which is an interesting idea coming from two professional and world-renowned skydivers. So uh, definitely check it out and hope you enjoy the conversation with Melanie Curtis.
Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. Today, I am here with world-renowned skydiver, Melanie Curtis, and she has her own podcast, TrustTheJourney.today, and it's a podcast hosted by world-renowned skydivers and spiritual speakers, Melanie Curtis and Jason Molesky. And thank you for joining me on the show, Melanie. Thank you so much, Gail. I'm so happy to be here. I feel like I've got like a rock star on the show with me today. This is so big. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, listeners, if you do not know, Melanie is a full-on certified bad. I'm not going to finish that because I want this to be rated for everyone, but she, she is a amazing. I, I met Melanie at Skydive Elsinore in California back in the day, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And she was known as Melsinore. And because, and she was just this bubbly, amazing person running around the drop zone with a smile on her face. And when I say drop zone, I mean skydiving center. And it, she just created an energy to that place where you could feel the energy at, at Skydive Elsinore. And Melanie's no longer at Skydive Elsinore. She's jumping in many other places. We'll get into that. But I, I feel so passionately about skydiving and the community that skydiving brings. And it's a sport I discovered 13 years ago. And when I was trying to think of someone I could interview for this episode of taking your first skydive and learning to skydive Melanie Curtis. Like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, what an amazing intro, Gail. Thank you so much. It's, it's crazy how far we've come. I feel like you and I both yeah. cool to witness the path of life. And that's something I do now, by the way, just for people to know that I am a professional skydiver. I'm also a life coach helping people overcome fear and employ courage. So the idea behind that and the idea of how that connects to skydiving is it's such an amazing experience to give us a, a, you know, a mindset shift around what we are capable of doing and what is possible. So I so obviously so recommend skydiving. It's been a long time since I've done my first jump, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I've been yeah. in the sport going on 23 years. Uh, but the that mindset shift and that experience of my first jump still motivates and inspires me seriously, truly to this day. Wow. Okay. Can you tell us about your first skydive? Yeah, absolutely. So I was 18 years old and skydiving aviation has been in my family for ever since I've been alive. My dad's a pilot mm -hmm. and loves flying and still flies now today. We had a airport at our house, literally like a grass strip behind my dad's house at the end of a dead end road. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So I would go there as a kid, you know, my parents were divorced, so I would visit my dad, but I was exposed to aviation and, and skydiving at a very young age. So my dad opened a drop zone at the house with his best friend who was a skydiver. So my dad was the pilot and his best friend was the skydiver. Wow. Where was this? It's a in upstate New York. It's not a drop zone anymore. It's still an airport. My dad still flies out of our house, but we don't, we don't uh, host skydiving okay. or skydivers anymore, just so people know that they can't actually go there for the first jump. Right. Uh, but it's, yeah, upstate New York. Yeah. 
It's called Verona Skydiving Center uh, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, yeah, so I was, as I said, exposed to skydiving at a young age, and I sat in on the first jump course many times over as a kid growing up uh-huh. and just had learned about it, saw people jump, and I was just too scared to do it before I actually did it. Mm-hmm. I could have jumped when I was 16 years old, but like I said, I was just too scared. I wasn't ready. And that's okay. I like to say that about skydiving and any experience that makes us feel afraid, whether it's jumping out of an airplane or anything else, is that it's okay if it's not for you too. It's okay if it takes you some time to get there, you know, Mm -hmm. to do some preemptive uh, emotional work to get yourself ready to do any experience that I'm sure you talk about on your show. Sure, sure. Uh, Yeah, so I sat in the first jump course, and then one day, it was right after I had graduated high school, I was 18 years old, Uh I said to myself, and I was like, tomorrow, I'm doing it. Like, tomorrow is the day. Cool. And I just was sick of sitting through the first jump course. So I'm like, okay, tomorrow's the day. And I love this. So that's what I did. I actually got up the next day and I entered the first jump course that I had taken many times and with the actual intention of jumping out of the airplane. Uh-huh. And I can tell you that the feeling inside that first jump course, knowing I was committed to actually jumping, was far different than all those other times I just sat there listening and learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, w- I was feeling it. Yeah. In my chest, you know, you're feeling that anxiety. Just what I think is... palpitations and... Yeah. Did you have a similar experience in your first jump? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was totally... I was freaked out. I was totally freaked out. Totally normal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't know what we're doing. We don't understand the sky- skydiving gear. We don't know about airplanes. I mean, not most people don't. No. We don't know who our instructors are. So it's so understandable that 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 piece of the course and the education would be sort of critical right. as helping us diffuse a little bit of our fear. So I encourage people who are going to make their first jump to listen and to be open and intentional about how they're listening to their instructors, that will likely help them feel less fear, Uh you know, going into that first experience. So, so what was it like riding in the plane that first time? So I'm, take the course and yeah. you, I actually gear up. Uh-huh. Yeah, good. <laughs> I mean, it's like every single piece of the whole experience, I feel like is an experience in itself. Right. Actually putting on a jumpsuit, actually putting on the, a parachute rig for the first time, right. like understanding, because I did what's called static line. Okay. Most people who do a first skydive will do what's called a tandem jump where they are strapped to an instructor, which I actually highly recommend for people as their first jump. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So the way I did it, cause I'm hashtag old school. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did it sort of a more old school way yeah. uh, where I jumped out by myself and I had what was called a static line that is connected to the airplane, which deploys my main parachute for me. So I don't need to pull a ripcord. I basically just need to know how to 
exit the airplane safely, navigate the airplane safely, and fly my parachute to the ground safely if my radio doesn't work and certainly get rid of any malfunctioning parachute if that were to happen as well. Yeah. Which did not happen. I okay. had a safe I had a safe deployment on my first jump. So riding in the airplane, so you get geared up, you walk to the airplane, and by the way, I jumped out of a super small Cessna. You're jammed <laughs> in there. There's no freaking room. Right. You're you know, I'm sitting by the door. I'm the first one to exit. So I'm not sure if anyone has jumped out or has flown in a small Cessna, but how it works is the pilot has a seat. And so I get in with my instructors sort of in the back behind the pilot, which by the way, was my dad. Yeah. And I'm sitting facing the tail of the aircraft next to the door of the Cessna Mm -hmm. to take off and to climb to altitude. The door is closed. Mm. So when you get up to jump altitude, so jump run, we call it jump run, where we're at the height where we're going to exit the airplane. We start to fly along what's called a jump run. And when it is time to actually go and check the spot to make sure we're exiting at the proper spot above the ground, they open the door. And the, the door. The thing with a door on a Cessna and why I laugh is because it's hooked. They change how it's hooked to the airplane such that when you open it, it flies up like in this loud, <laughs> ridiculous fashion. And it flings up and it's just the wind then holds it up against the t- kind of bottom of the wing. So now there is just this open hole in the side of the airplane and you got to jump and I'm out of sitting it. there yeah and I'm sitting there right next to it going basically and I know no swearing but holy f whatever yeah. you're gonna say right like oh my god seriously I, I it's such a hard thing to describe mm-hmm. that visual of looking out of an airplane door open in flight far above the earth. So were you like, about like oh, 10,000 feet up? No, no. For static line, it's about 4,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So static line, I'm you get out. I'm not very familiar with static line. Yeah, no. The And it's the same feeling, I think. So if someone's doing a tandem and they're up at 12,000 feet, or if someone, you know, for me doing a static line as a first timer, it's going to feel the same way. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I can't absolutely. imagine it's, we don't have the experience to really discern height above the earth. Once you're above something that you would maybe jump off for like a base jump. Right. And the, I don't base jump by the way, which is jumping off earth and buildings and antennas and things like right. that. Uh, bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are so much closer to the earth. There's a different visual. So once you're high, like really high up, it seems pretty much the same, I think, for people. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm up there, doors open. And now what I had to do, and this is so ridiculous as well, which this is not something people will do either, because luckily as a tandem passenger, you're going to have your instructor helping you make the physical moves toward the door. Uh You'll be strapped to them. You'll have some sense of, I think, comfort knowing that they are with you really quite literally. Agreed. So for me, I had to literally swing my feet outside of this door 
and they're now flapping in the wind because the particular Cessna that I jumped out of had retractable landing gear. So there was no wheel to step on, no nothing. I basically <laughs> had to just lean out of the plane. <laughs> and if anybody knows what a, yeah, what a small aircraft looks like, there are struts that connect the wings and support the wings and they connect to the base of the fuselage of an airplane. Mm-hmm. So I reached out, my feet are flapping in the wind. I reach out and I put one hand on that strut and I, and I reach out into that, into the wind. Cause it's, if you've stuck your hand or your head out of a car going, you know, 65, 70 miles an hour, that's pretty much what it feels like, but even more so. Right. So I get my hand out, my other hand out onto the strut. Cause when I jump, my goal is to hop out and then hang on the strut. That's what my plan is as a student. That's what I've been coached to do. So that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So I lean out into this wind. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And so the point you're thinking like the point of no return is when you like kind of hop your butt off the floor and go to hang. Right. Right. I don't even, I barely remember that. Like, I don't remember what I thought before I hopped my butt out. Uh-huh. You know, so I can't tell you I'm probably half blacking out because it's so freaking amazingly whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I hop my butt out and I'm, I gotta say, there's pretty much no way I was going to be able to hang on that strut. I just <laughs> fell off. Kicked. I kicked and screamed. I remember kicking and screaming. I literally, I totally remember falling away from the aircraft for the first time, kicking, screaming, and then my parachute was open. (laughs) (laughs) True story. So great. And, uh, but did you live? (laughs) I know. Everyone wants to know. (laughs) And that is the massive thing about the mindset shift and why, not to mention skydiving is so much fun when you actually get into it in terms of experience skydiving, learning to fly your body and everything. Like that's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. That's extremely fun, but there's something really beautiful and powerful and amazing and transformative about when we think something is not possible, AKA I can't jump out of an airplane, which sort of implies I can't jump out of an airplane and, and live. Right. So when you land and you live and you're not dead and you're like, holy crap, I just did that. Something is rewired in our brain. So this is the thing. It doesn't have to be skydiving. And this is how I work now as a life coach uh-huh. is that it can be anything that we are afraid of doing. It could be freaking going out by yourself and talking to five strangers, you know, that could be just as terrifying for someone as what I just described, jumping out of an, out of an airplane. Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I love it when you have a complete paradigm shift in, in your world and then you realize the world is your oyster. Amen. That you can do anything. Um, but it's really nice to have proper training and good equipment and well yeah you know yeah we don't want to recklessly experience life we don't want to just say oh i can do anything aka i don't need to do any work that's right. not thing. no way we have awesome teammates to help us through things we have awesome people who have learned before us like skydiving instructors and that's the thing when people decide where to go you know, I would certainly make sure they do some research about the place they choose and 
ask some questions about, you know, maybe reach out to you and get some advice on, or me even, they're certainly welcome mm-hmm. to ask me, mel at meliecurtis.com, uh, which drop zones are good ones in their area. So how many jumps do you have now? I am, well, I've been saying 10,000 for a while, but I'm getting close to 11,000 now. I know, it's crazy. I only have 400, so you <laughs> way beat me here. <laughs> it's 400 more than a ton of other people. And that's what I tell people who go skydiving one time and they're like, oh, I just went one time. I'm like, that is awesome because it's one more time than so many other people. Right. And, and in the same breath, I also say skydiving is not for everyone. And if it's a different experience that someone wants to have, that's awesome too. Right, right. So if you were to go for a tandem skydive today, uh, you would probably be going up to about 13,000 feet if it's from a particular type of airplane, like a turbine airplane, or maybe 10,000 feet from a Cessna. And it also depends on the cloud, the weather, so it may not be that exact altitude. And, and today on a tandem skydive, you would be attached to an instructor and you would jump out together and have approximately a minute of free fall. I mean, yes. a minute. Like, I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is a lot. You can do a lot in a minute. Absolutely. I have a video on my YouTube channel that I'm happy to share with your audience that I made with one of my good friends did her first tandem for the first time ever this winter. Yeah. And I'm happy to share that oh, because please. I feel like the video does a good job of sharing it from start to finish the whole experience. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, I would love that. And so we'll make sure the video is included on the website in the show notes so you can actually watch a tandem skydive. And but I mean, the big question is, so let's say you're attached to an instructor, they pull the parachute and they're like, what if, what if my parachute doesn't open? You know, I feel like it's everybody's fear. And I've actually experienced two malfunctions myself, but not under a tandem skydive, but they do happen. So would you want to walk us through that part? If Well, I'm not a tandem instructor, so I can't, I don't really know exactly what they do, but in every skydiving sport container, whether it's a tandem or a experienced rig or a student rig, we have two parachutes. So the technology that they have come up with over the past, God, I don't know, however many decades. Right. It's funny. I was talking about a guy named Bill Booth. When you go make a tandem jump, you're going to watch this really sort of almost like comically intense video with this guy called Bill Booth. He has a long beard uh-huh. and this guy I has done- work for Bill Booth. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's done a lot for our sport to develop Uh, systems and gear that make our sport and our gear so much safer. Now, certainly all of these things, you know, the worst is possible, just like getting in your car and driving to the supermarket, Mm -hmm. you know, the worst is possible, just as equally as the exceptional things are possible. So learning about that gear and understanding that you have a reserve parachute that's really highly trustable Mm -hmm. is is something to keep in mind. Yeah. Great. Now, what if, what if the instructor has a heart attack and dies in free fall? Like what, what happens? What happens? Yeah. 
I think that they teach you how to open your main parachute on your own. And if you don't, what we have in our gear, say we get knocked out. If I'm an experienced skydiver and I get knocked out, same sort of thing. How do I pull my parachute if I'm not conscious? Right. So same thing with you. How do I pull, how do I open my parachute if my instructor is unconscious or, or dead? Right. Then you have what's called a, an automatic opening, automatic activation device. Yeah. So a Cypress. Uh, which opens your reserve parachute at a certain altitude traveling at a certain speed. So if you had nothing out, it would deploy your reserve for you automatically. Beautiful, beautiful. So I know there's many people who are afraid to take that leap. They're afraid to push themselves out the door. I mean, it's not a normal thing. It's not something that most people do every day. And how do you overcome that fear, Melanie? Like how, like what are some steps that others can use to go past that door and into the clouds? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think listening to this podcast is one thing because you're educating yourself, right? So a lot of it I think is unknown and it's like, okay, it's an unknown I don't know how it works. How can I make sure I land and live? Mm -hmm. How can I make sure I land safely and have an amazing transformative experience like Mel described on Gail's podcast? Yeah. So, and you learn about it. You learn about the gear. You watch the, you watch the Bill Booth video. You, <laughs> you know, you ask questions. So you learn, I think you prep like that. So you know more about what you're doing. And then from there, you can discern, well, what other fears or concerns are in my way? What else am I worried about? And when you come up, up against those, you can start to go, well, what can I do to diffuse those down to mitigate those? Maybe it's simple feeling it in your physical body where you, you start to meditate and not meditate, but like sitting in with your you know, fingers touching. I'm not talking, I mean like breathe, okay. like exhale the tension from your body, really go back to very basic fear diffusing practices in your physical self mm -hmm. and do your very best to focus on the positive possibilities versus the fears. So it's, it takes active effort, certainly. Yeah do this. And I'm not suggesting that you will feel no fear. I actually think you will absolutely feel fear. And that's where the whole employing courage comes in, is that we don't necessarily diffuse all the fear. We get ourselves to a point where we actually then feel ready enough to make a choice to take the action through the fear that we still feel. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. I love it. I absolutely love it. So after you made your first skydive, how did you feel making your second skydive? Did some of that fear subside or was it still there or? Yeah, I was still there. It, it definitely subsides over time and experience just like anything else. Like I'm learning to public speak more and more. I mean, I've been a public speaker for a long time, but I'm learning a new skill set in public speaking. And it's cool because... I'm feeling my fear dissipate around that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Less and le I'm less and less nervous every time I go and stand on a stage. Cool. You know what I'm saying? 
which is great because that allows me to be in the experience much more aware, much more mindfully, much more uh, on my own point, whatever that is per my definition. So with regards to skydiving, yeah, fear definitely dissipates over time and there's a respect we must always bring to it because it involves our physical safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're in the New York area. Where, where do you like to go skydiving? Yeah, my home drop zone is Skydive Cross Keys in Williamstown, New Jersey. So it's two hours south of New York City and 45 minutes uh, east of Philadelphia. Cool. Awesome place. Very cool. And can you make a tandem skydive there? Yeah, definitely. Heck yeah. I actually do skydiving retreat days now as a life coach. So people who want to go skydiving, this is not, I'm not meaning to plug it. I'm only just sharing it because a lot of times- a lot of times how people go skydiving is they just get groups of their friends together and they sign up and they go for it. And the drop zones all can take care of you in that way too. That's super cool. I'm just excited because I'm so in love with the idea of helping people transform and have breakthroughs in their lives that certainly marrying that transformational growth mindedness with the experience of skydiving for people who want to work with me in that way. Mm -hmm. I actually offer that now, which I'm excited about. So how much does that cost? Well, the tandem skydive alone without jumping with me or doing a sort of transformational growth day with me, a tandem is just shy of $200, I think, or 200 even. Okay. I'm not sure. You'd have to actually check the, check the websites of each job. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a range. And then if you want to get video, typically it's like a hundred bucks. Yeah, another hundred, 140. I think that's the yeah, range okay. of adding video. Again, it really sure. depends on the drop zone and how they do it. Would you recommend getting the video? Yes. I highly recommend getting the video. Only because yeah. especially if it's one, something you're going to do one time, it's such a cool thing to have. Cool. Cool. Now, if they want to do the full like retreat with you, what's like average cost? Oh, gosh. You know, I don't even remember. What was it? 600, 650, something like that. Because it's the whole day of coaching. It's the intro. It's the everything. The coaching circle before the coaching debrief after. Yeah. And does that include the skydive? It does. Okay, cool. So 600 includes your skydive and coaching and you would have this transformational day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll have to share the website. I, I I haven't done one of those in six months or so just because I have, I've been focusing on the new podcast. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Trust the journey. Okay. And then you've got to be 18 years old in the U S to make a skydive. And you've got to be at least two, or you have to be under 220 pounds. I believe that is correct. Again, drop zones vary in their weight limits and some allow you to be up, I think a little bit heavier than that for an extra cost. I'm not sure though. Yeah. So check, check on that. And you also need to make sure that your doctor has cleared you for skydiving that you don't have. Uh, anything prohibiting you from from making a skydive. And what if you wake up and you are coughing, you got a head cold, your ears hurt? Could you still go up in a plane that day? I would recommend not doing that. So when our head and our ears are clogged, we need to have those open and clear because the altitude changes cause pressure changes and it can definitely do some damage to our ears if our ears are clogged. So definitely no. Now, what if we've been like partying all day and we've been going from bar to bar and we're like, we're wasted, man. And we all decided at the bar that we're 
all going to go for a skydive. <laughs> well, if you go to sleep enough that you can wake up and you're sober, then sure. If certainly if you are not of clear mind, I wouldn't fully I would not recommend going skydiving for the first time. Try to get a good night's sleep. Try to eat well. You know, try to be mentally and physically feeling good for your first skydive for sure. One thing that we didn't mention is the waiver process that ah, people can anticipate signing. A, I mean, I briefly mentioned it with the video. You'll watch this video with the waiver process, yeah. but you have a big document to sign. There's lots to, uh, you sign know, life away. yeah, you sign the liability, full on liability waiver. And that's a big deal because, you know, we're dealing with aircraft and engines and people and gear and there's lots of stuff. So yeah. So would you call skydiving safe? Yeah, I would. I would. I think there are safe ways to engage in it for sure. What I call driving on the road safe depends on how you do it, right? The right. person who's driving past me on the freeway at 85 miles an hour, you know what I mean? The person's racing by me down the freeway, that guy's not safe. So is driving safe in that case? Not as much. You know what I mean? So the people who engage in skydiving very respectfully and mindfully, yeah, it can be really safely participated in for sure. And that's mm -hmm. definitely what you get when you go as a first timer. It's mm -hmm. like the instructors care. I mean, their lives are 100% with yours. So you can expect that that respect will be brought to your experience. I would now, certainly hope. Oh, I love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Now, but we are not saying that skydiving is 100% safe, so please do not sue us if something happens. No, uh, definitely not. Absolutely not. Things but, can happen. That's why we have the waiver. Things right. can and do happen sometimes, for sure. And like if you could go skydiving anywhere in the world, just like the most beautiful spot, or if you just want to think of high quality drop zone, where, where would you go? Well, my friend, Tom Noonan, he does an experience where he skydives next to Mount Everest. And I've been to Nepal and I loved it so much. I so love the Himalayan mountains and just that whole culture really spoke to me. And so the fact that he does that, we've uh -huh. sort of been about trying to put together some bigger thing. That's not actually cool. happening yet, but I would love to skydive with his group and near Everest in Nepal. And I'm hoping to have an episode on that with Tom in the future. So Great. stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, okay. So skydiving Everest, I'd say that's a pretty amazing experience. I mean, I mean, just Everest already is amazing. Yeah. And you're like, no, I'm going to one up you. I'm going to skydive Everest. Like that's a, that's, that's pretty amazing. Let's say you couldn't make it over to Everest to, to make a skydive. Where else in the world that just super beautiful, that's easy to get to? Where would you Yeah. Go? Oh, like for more for someone doing a tandem jump? Yeah. Because you can do a tandem, by the way, in the Everest thing. Totally. So just totally. FYI. There's so many beautiful places. I mean, there's just so many beautiful places. The coast of Finland is oddly beautiful in the oh. U.S. Yeah. I mean, everything is so beautiful. Like there's just yeah. like when you're up there, it's hard to not be in awe of what you're looking at. The coast of Florida is actually quite beautiful. You know, it's got, I have Sebastian. I, I, I love not, Sebastian. I've not jumped there very much, but I think that's a beautiful place. Yeah. Um, gosh. Yeah. There's just, there's just a lot. 
A lot of beautiful places. Oceanside in California, again, sort of accessing that coastal view. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what has been your favorite jump to date? Impossible to answer that. Ah. There's, there's way too many different experiences that I have had. You know, I could say round 10, 2007, VFS nationals with my team. I could say jumping into Dodger Stadium in a bathing suit, how ridiculous what? that is. I could say jumping into downtown San Francisco, uh, you know, onto Pier 99. Like that was an incredible experience. I could say landing at the church in Mexico. I could say landing at night in, at Chicks Rock Boogie wait, at, wait, back in the day. Wait, landing at the church in Mexico was church in session in Mexico? No, it, we were there for a special demonstration jump and there were so many kids and they were just come out, they came out and just give us all these hugs. It was just this beautiful experience going, oh, I love that I can do this and inspire these young minds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so if you want to do all these amazing experiences, like jumping into a baseball stadium and, and jumping into a church in Mexico or, or, or like becoming a professional skydiver and competing in nationals. <laughs> What's the first step after a tandem skydive? First step after a tandem skydive depends on the drop zone, as always. We keep saying that because sure. skydiving doesn't necessarily have a common thing. Like they're all drop zones are sort of mom and pop shops. There's one place that has multiple locations, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it would just be to sign up for the accelerated free fall training program, which is how you then learn to go and jump by yourself, not strapped to an instructor. Got it. And so you learned via static line. Is that, did you do any type of AFF after your static line job? I did. I did the first, yes, yes. I did static line at the beginning uh-huh. and then I started on AFF level five when I studied abroad in Australia. I did the rest of my student training down there. And then, so when I did AFF, it was like a seven jump course. Was, was yours is like a seven or like you, you did five, six, seven or... I have no idea. I would literally have to look at my logbook. I have yeah. no memory of that. It depends. In Australia, it's a little different. You do your AFF and then you get your A license and then you do what's called B-REL jumps, which is helps you learn basic flying skills and stuff like that. So they have a bit of a different trajectory in their country versus the U.S. So it just depends on where you go. But yeah, 25 jumps, I think, is the usual number for getting an A license, which Correct. allows you to jump by yourself with other people who are licensed. Usually, once you go through FF, you get through the instructor jumps, which again, not sure, 10, 12 jumps, I I do not know the number. Once you get that completed, then you're released on what's called solo status, where you can jump by yourself, but you can't jump with other people yet. Mm -hmm. When I was going through this process, I had this yellow card and I was having a check off different skills, like landing near a target so many times and uh, gripping onto my instructor in free fall and uh, packing my own parachute and jumping it. Oh my gosh. Like that will give you the wills. I mean, you're just like, okay, I've got to pack this thing and now I got to test it. Like talk about overcoming fear. Right. I mean, like, (laughs) They weren't even watching me that carefully. And they're like, yeah, just put it in the bag, you know. But I'm like, really, like I spent like hours on that first like. Same here. (laughs) I will never forget packing that first 
first time myself with no one watching. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Am I going to die? Am yeah, I going to die? Am for I sure. going to kill myself? <laughs> this is in my hands. I can't yeah. blame my instructor. It's all me. <laughs> it's all me. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go through like an accelerated freefall course, but it might be called different things, other drop zones. And it might be a seven jump course. It might be more. And then you're on solo status and you've got to complete these different skills. And then you need to take, I believe you had to take a written test for a license. Yes, I yeah. believe you do as well. A written test. And then you get the golden ticket, an A license where you can go now and jump with your friends. You can't go jump into a stadium quite yet. Uh, you need some practice. You need some practice at 25 jumps. You don't, you don't have the skills yet. But at 25 jumps, you could go out with a buddy or two friends and play in the sky together. And any memorable jumps from like those really early days of, of being like freshly licensed? Freshly licensed. Well, gosh, I mean, the first video. Back. Yeah, I love it. This is funny. The first time I ever got a skydive videoed, I've watched that video many times and it uh -huh. makes me laugh because it was my first four-way jump where it was me and three other people jumping out of the plane together. Yeah. And I bring that I bring that up because it's so apparent in how I am flying, how inexperienced I am, but that's so awesome. Like, cause I actually in skydiving now, one of my main focuses is to work with young jumpers who have just, you know, are getting their A license. I actually run a, an online skydiving coaching group called the VSC. The website is the VSC.life. So that's a mm -hmm. virtual skydiving center. I started that group because I felt like and wanted to help those people without traveling so much to drop zones anymore and coaching in person. Mm -hmm. And because once people get their licenses, they're sort of on their own, you know, they're in sort of a no man's land where they right. don't have necessarily that much, much help. So anyway, back to this four way. <laughs> I, uh, and it's hard. I don't think people will necessarily understand why this is funny to me, but as we were doing our points, we were flying pretty close to each other. And it points was Points so like cool. making different formations. Yeah, gripping each other and doing our dive plan, which was really, really cool back then, for sure. I, had, I ended up going on and competing in the discipline of four-way in my skydiving career because I love doing formations with my friends so much. Yeah. So this particular video, at the end when it's time to break away from each other, you almost always you'll just leave. You'll just turn around and you'll fly away from your friends so that you open your parachute in, you know, clear open airspace that's safe. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this particular jump, I was so new. When it was time to break off, I literally like waved my hands a like ton of times to yeah. like, to like say, we're done, we're done, you know, and it's, it's just so cute. I love that part of the learning trajectory in skydiving because everything is so much fun. Everything is so new and we can really feel so good about ourselves doing every single bit of that bigger process. And again, I say that and I really, really mean that in terms of any goal that we take on. This is so why I became a life coach is because I believe so much in that. Agreed.
Ah, this is absolutely fantastic. And not only, I mean, this has just been such a pleasure getting to talk to you today and taking you back. Yes! Taking you back to the early days of skydiving. Because I feel like skydiving is on many people's bucket list. And I wanted to do an episode that took away some of the mystery of what exactly is going to happen. And maybe just bring more people to to try the sport and who knows maybe become skydivers yeah we we it's a welcoming community for sure you are welcome if you are called to come and skydive you are definitely welcome and i feel like it's a community you have for life you know i've i've been on hold a little bit with just having a daughter and some of my my life or my my focus in life has changed you know, whereas I'm not spending every weekend at the drop zone like I used to. Mm-hmm. Now I'm having arguments with my with my daughter on what to wear and how to get her shoes on and how to get out of the house. And, and I'm trying to plan more family adventures right now. Yeah. But, but if skydiving is calling to you and this is something you want to do, uh, we both highly recommend it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've taken breaks too. Absolutely. Our focuses change and yeah, some things we do big time and some things we do once and it's, it's all awesome. Yeah. But the community has always been there and it's really cool. I still feel very much a part of the community and, and the people around it is, it's a really amazing group of people and Agreed. Uh, I highly recommend you meeting some skydivers. Agreed. You know, really, you just have to trust the journey. <laughs> trust the journey that today, yes. baby. <laughs> trust the journey and listen more from Melanie and Jason as <laughs> as they relate skydiving to many different things in life. And they can really give you a new perspective on things and even help you achieve your goals. So again, just truly, truly appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Gail. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have. And I highly recommend you go for your first skydive or your second or maybe your 10th or 20th or 100th skydive, which... Uh, if you didn't know, uh, many people do their hundredth skydive in the nude. That could be on your experiences. We will be doing more skydiving episodes in the future, which will be a little bit more in depth of specific jumps you can do, such as like skydiving at night or jumping off a hot air balloon. So stay tuned for those in the future. And If you are listening to this podcast, as you know, many of us podcasters make no money. We actually spend money to make this podcast available to you. So the one thing that you can do to give back is to leave a review. Reviews are so important. If you're listening on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, just please leave a review for experiences you should have. And please tell a friend about this podcast, Experiences You Should Have, giving you a how-to guide for amazing experiences.